The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That's the theme of this Advent as we come into the Christmas season. I want to spend a few weeks just focusing on that phrase. A couple of months ago, I read an article in uh, World Magazine about anonymous dads. And uh, these are people that are, these are donor-conceived children who were conceived uh, through uh, scientific or artificial means. Third-party reproductions is what the industry calls them, and there's anywhere between 20 and 40,000 of them born every single year, believe it or not. And the article calls for us to uh, think more seriously about the psychological effects that a person endures when they are a donor-conceived child. One of them said, we don't think that society really can have much empathy for us because their origins were so different from ours. But fortunately, through the help of... um, Genetics and through the help of social media, they're able, many of them, to, to find their biological father. Things like 23andMe or Ancestry.com help them uh, get back to the original uh, donor and hopefully establish a relationship. One is about 31, 32 years old, living in Florida. He's a professional. He's an engineer, in fact, I think in aeronautics. And uh, he just recently discovered the true identity of his father, and so he wrote him a letter. Got a very terse reply, but he got a reply, so he wrote another letter. After the second letter, he got this reply from his biological father. I most probably gave you life, but I don't think I should have any personal discomfort in my life for that act of kindness. Good night and good life. These people apparently are twice as likely to suffer addictive behaviors. They are one and a half times more likely to suffer mental depression or other mental health issues. They're more likely to disengage from community, more likely to live lives of a loner. They are more likely to feel unwanted, undetached, unknown, unnoticed. One of them said, it bothers me that money had something to do with my origin. He said it, they found that his father was the father of more than 500 different children. He said, it's almost as if there was a doll maker out there And he was just cranking out hundreds of dolls and that I'm one of them. When I read this article uh, last September, I was in the middle of, of, of a slave to child shift with you. We were trying to think about this. And I began to think that this describes... Uh, to a very close degree, what a lot of Christians that I know, and I myself sometimes have felt. We are Christians, and we attend church every week, so we know our mother, but we have never met our father. We don't know him. 
We met a pastor. We met an evangelist, a friend, a coach, a professor, somebody who may have led us to Christ. But that is our surrogate father. That's not our real father. And so we feel this sense of detachment, separation from religion, uh, from God. We are probably twice as likely to suffer addictive behaviors like lust, like overspending, overconsumption, overperformance. We are more likely to be tyrannized by the need to perform, always having to prove ourselves, get another win, get another degree, get another notch, always proving ourselves to someone that we've never met. It's coming to God and he almost says, look, I probably had something to do with giving you life, but I don't see why my life should suffer any personal discomfort because of that. Good night, good life. Now, you wouldn't be so crass as to say it like that, but if you've ever prayed once and felt the heavens shut over your heads, that's exactly how it feels. Good night, good life. It's almost as like with the church growth movement, modern evangelism, hundreds of people coming to Jesus at the voice of one person. It's like there's a doll maker out there and he's making hundreds of dolls and you just happen to be one of them. Now these feelings are deeply entrenched inside of us and you cannot throw them out the upstairs window. You gotta coax them down the stairs a step at a time. If your life's like mine, you find that they wrap themselves around you in layers. When you get one layer completely off and you think I'm finally free, <laughs> now I get it, now I see it. That layer gets old and a few years later you discover there's another one that's gotta come off. This unlayering can take years. And so we've decided to spend the entire year talking about slave to child. Slave to child is probably one of the deepest mysteries in the entire Bible. When you think like a child of God, you are leaving the reservation. You understand that. You're saying things and believing things that no other religion will let you believe. And so you feel unsafe. These are uncharted waters. And that's where the rest of this sermon is going. I've decided to pick the Bible up and read the story of Advent, the coming of Jesus, the arrival, through the lens of slave to child. The day I agreed to do this, I kicked myself. Thought, that was a dumb idea. But as I started to read the story, I'm glad I agreed to something that I didn't fully understand what I agreed to. In the next few weeks, what you'll hear are a series of meditations focusing on Advent, walking toward Advent through the lens of slave to child. Listen, each one of these meditations are short. multi-layered, meaning you'll spend the rest of your life getting to the bottom of them. 
you'll have to do most of the work yourself at home. And each one of them can be distilled into a single, a single phrase. Here's the one for today. God is a father. And he wants to father me. I've just used the word father two ways in one sentence. First as a noun, it is something who God is. And second as a verb, it is something that God seems. What I have found in my life is that the God who seems is not always the God who is. story starts um, one afternoon in Nazareth. An ordinary woman is having an ordinary day in an ordinary village. She's what? We don't know, 14, 15 years old, when all of a sudden an angel appears out of thin blue air, standing in the door. And this is what the angel says. says, greetings, highly favored one. <laughs> what? that mean? Some have translated it literally, hello, gifted lady. <laughs> Another way to put it really crass is, you got it made. You got picked, chosen. Well, she does not know what this means. She doesn't feel so chosen when she turns around. What the Bible says is she is quote, greatly disturbed. And what that means is a combination of different emotions. It's confusion, it's fear or trepidation, but it's also just kind of being vexed in this frustrated, almost slightly offended. So Mary is greatly favored, but she does not feel greatly favored. And she wonders what this might mean. And so the angel keeps talking. He says, you have found favor in God's eyes. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And he will be son of the most high God. Oddly enough, Mary is not interested in his legacy She's interested in how this is going to happen. She says, how can this be? I, I'm a virgin. I, I've never been with a man. We don't have babies. Now listen to what the angel says. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the one who is born from you will be the son of God. Mary says, yeah, I get it. No, Mary says, be it unto me. 
just like you said. She's smart enough to know what she's dumb at. She's smart enough to know that the one talking to her right now has intentions that far exceed her rational limitations. She's smart enough to know that the one talking has ideas that she cannot have. She is not close enough to them yet to even comprehend what he's talking about. So she just says, be it unto me as you have said. And it happens. Now, Mary probably does not have these thoughts, but she could have. If God has a son, he must be a father. If God has a son, he must be a father. Father is not something we call him. It's not a label. It's not a metaphor. It's not a word we gave to him. It is who he is in his essence. Because he has a son. So if God is not a father by nature, he cannot exist. Some other God can, but not the God who is. Are you tracking with me, church? Well, then let's the four of us go back into a room and we'll finish this conversation. See, this is a big deal because some of us are starting with our earthly fathers and our earthly fathers sometimes are terribly flawed and we get from our earthly fathers these flawed images, people that are absent, people that are anonymous, people that are, they have disrupted everything in our lives. They're demanding, they're violent, they're abusive. And then somehow, because that is the only concept that of a father we have ever seen, we take that and we project it up onto God and we assume that God must be like the father I had to deal with. And if you had a good father as I did, I mean, some of you said, man, your father's a saint. You should golf with him. <laughs> it's even harder because you boxed God in you have a religious father, and so your father is limited to these pious behaviors and these rules. But do you not see what we have done? We have taken an image of one who came afterward and projected it onto one who came first. God is a father by nature. It's his word. Not your daddy's. 
I realize that's a big step for some of you. You say, okay, man, I'm done. Let's eat. I got to work this out. But that's an important step. That God is, in his essence, a father. He defines the word. He is not the father that my father was. My father should have been the father or could have been the father or was close to the father that he truly is. Mary could have had that thought. (laughs) Now, if God has a son, then he must be a father. But if God's son is being born in me, then he must be my son. How can God have a son that is not his son, but mine? And how can I carry a son that is not my son, but his? What if this son is both him and me at the same time. (laughs) If God has a son, she thinks to herself, then this son must know God in the way that God knows himself. He must know God in the way God wants to be known. Here's the clincher. And if this son is coming from me, then he knows God like this in the most remarkable way within my humanity. say that differently Jesus is fully human he came from me and yet he knows God as God knows himself and as God wishes to be known and he knows him like this in his humanity that's a staggering thought I would have thought before you had to leave humanity to know God the way that God wants to be known. Would you not? Now, for some of you, we are getting very near the confines of religion. We're ready to leave the grounds and it will feel nervous for you. So let me just throw you over the fence. (laughs) See, all this time, we keep reading the story of Jesus's birth as if it were the story of only Jesus's birth but what if it's also the story of your birth what if one day you were minding your own business an ordinary person on an ordinary street in an ordinary day and the Holy Spirit showed up and said to you hello gifted lady 
this is your lucky day. You're going to have a child, a life of God embedded inside of you. And you thought to yourself, how can this be? I'm a human being. Humans don't have children like that. Listen to what he said next. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the one born inside of you will be, here we go, the Son of God. It is one thing to say that Jesus is miraculously conceived. It is another thing to say that you are miraculously conceived. It's one thing to say that Jesus is the Son of God. It is something else to say that you are the Son of God. It's one thing to say that this is the story of Jesus. It's something else to say, wait a minute, maybe this is my story. Now I realize that when you hear that language, you want to chafe because you are caught in your mind in this, this, this box that says you must stay in your category. But don't you understand the incarnation will not allow you to do that. I'm not telling you that you are leaving humanity and becoming gods. I'm telling you God has left heaven and became like you, and that matters. He now talks to God fully human in the way that you can talk to God. He knows God now in humanity in the way that God wants to be known. <laughs> Maybe this is why Paul said, in the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a woman to redeem those under law. Therefore, he says in Galatians chapter four, you are no longer servants. You are sons and daughters of God. This is not his story. This is your story. He, he wasn't the only one born. You were born miraculously. He has two natures. So do you. You just mute the other one. This is why John says, now are we the children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this, when he appears, lights come on. We Dad gum, that's not in the text, but that's what we'll say. Dad gum, we shall be like him. Like him. The key is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit Christian has performed a miracle in you and he has just moved the boundaries of what is possible in your spiritual life. He's made it possible for you to come to God with a boldness and a fearlessness that you have never known before. 
clearly Jesus has priority. Clearly Jesus is the strength of the Father. Clearly Jesus is the firstborn. Clearly he is the one, the portal through which the Father gains access to the rest of the family. But he is not another species. He is God's firstborn son. But there are others. And you are some of them. Okay, I'm done. Everybody exhale. Can I ask you a few questions? Maybe you'll take them home with you. With what concept of God did you come to Jesus? Yeah, put that down. With what concept of God did you become a Christian? I've told you this. Me, it was Lincoln in the Lincoln Memorial. Bigger than life, sitting on a throne, climbed several steps to get there. At the base of that statue, one of his feet, where people touch his feet, that foot has been rubbed off multiple times. They've had to replace it. It's like as far as we get is to get up there, and if you can touch it, put your children on your shoulders, they can touch the foot of God. That was my God. Question number two. What does God know about himself that you don't know? This is not a theology question because no theologian can teach you this. There are some things only love can teach you. Theologians can stand at the mouth of a cave and just point in and say, wander around back there. You'll run into stuff. But you got to go yourself. So you have to go home thinking, what does God know about himself that I don't know? And I could know if I would stay with him longer. And what does God know about me that I do not know? In question number three, the last one, what about Jesus surprises you of God? Church, the way into the Father is through the Son. Jesus said, no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Don't walk away and say, oh gosh, choose me, choose me. Walk away and say, how do I know the Son? I have to 
be taken up with the Son. Jesus said that the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father. So you cannot come to the Father except through me. You can know lots of things about God. Theologians can teach you this. But you can't know him as Father until you come to the Son. Come to the Son. Be taken up with the sun. And the side effect is your image of God will begin to change. Some of you have said my view of God is distorted. He does not seem like a father to me. And so you've tried to get to the father to have that view change. No, no. You have to go to the sun. Because everything that is true of the sun is true of the father. Oh my goodness. You know Lincoln, the foot, you know that God? Yes, you know this God? I had all these words for him. Sovereign, immortal, holy, powerful. Then I met Jesus. And none of them seemed true. He was not immortal, he died. He was not powerful, he stood silent before Pilate. And I thought to myself, how can Jesus be God when he isn't acting like he should act? And then I had the thought, maybe I don't know what those words mean. Maybe I don't know what powerful is. Maybe I don't know what sovereign means. Maybe I don't know what immortal means. Maybe I don't even know what holy means. Maybe they mean exactly what Jesus is. And my whole mind began to turn. God, maybe, is not who I thought he was. Oh, praise his name, church. He is not who I thought he was. I want to lead you in a prayer that I think will get you there or get you started. Will you bow your heads? I want to pray to the Father. I want to pray to the Son. And I want to pray to the Holy Spirit. And while I talk you through this prayer, you'll have thoughts of your own because God will take you there. But so I might try to help us focus. This might be something like the prayer. Father, you are not who I thought you were. I'm sorry. I know firsthand the feeling of being misunderstood. <laughs> Father, I know what it is for people to think they know me and not. That must be how you feel. Times a billion. And I don't know how I had these thoughts. Did I get them in religion? Did I get them in, I don't know how I got them, but I had them. And I'm starting to think that they're wrong. That you are not who I thought you were. You are somebody else. I'm sorry. I can't promise I won't do it anymore. Because I don't know how I did it this time. I just know I'm sorry. 
to the Son, I pray. Take me to your Father. Take me to your Father. Don't take me to mine, because he doesn't exist. Not even you believe in him. not the God who is and I don't know the God who is I'm not smart enough I'm not red enough that's not it I don't know how to begin to know the father the way that you know him I don't know how to talk to him the way that you talk to him I don't know what it is to stand in front of him and not be afraid like you're not afraid. I don't know how to know him without taking him for granted the way that you know him and never take him for granted. Mm, I don't know how to do this. Take me to your father. Take your time. I can't go that fast. Take me to the Holy Spirit. Welcome home. I am your temple. Gosh, I can't even hardly say that. Welcome home. This temple, this body, I admit it's a mess. I was hoping to have it more together by the time you got here, but I don't. So why don't the two of us, you and me, go to work on this temple so that Jesus, the Son of God, will not be the only place in this world where God takes up residence. make it so he takes up residence in me. Let's make it so that when people talk to me, they will feel like they are talking to you. The firstborn. Now to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I give myself in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen.